Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League All Access podcast with me, Sam Matterface, and alongside me as always is TalkSport's Chief Football Correspondent, Alex Crook, and we're joined by the former Chelsea and West Ham defender, Scott Minto. This is what's coming up on the programme. That's the key, and we need to see more of that. A referee showing courage in, the, in their convictions. He got the on-field decision right, and he should have turned around to the plethora of VAR officials and said, you know what, I'm sticking with my on-field decision. That isn't a red card. I genuinely think this is a difficult one to call because of all the reasons we've just said. And a Newcastle fit side would be Sunderland, but you've almost got a full team that's not fit. And I think if Eddie Howe loses this game, I think there will be questions from the Saudi Arabian owners about the direction the club are going in. So as I say, it's a nightmare fixture. And of course, the one guaranteed player to score goals for Liverpool is not around. So I think Jurgen Klopp will make changes. Um, I think Mikel Arteta needs to win this game more. Is there a chance United slip up? Of course there is. They've lost 14 out of 28 games. They've not won a single match in convincing fashion yet. Let me just give you a little bit of realism, and you'll know this because you're involved in it. Nobody else spends money like the Premier League. No one. Absolutely zero. None. Ever. Watch your boys. Hello. FA Cup weekend is here. Everyone excited. Everyone been inspired by the magic of the FA Cup after Thursday night's belting game between Crystal Palace and Everton. <laughs> the magic of the FA Cup. How, how tough is that for you, Sam? I enjoyed it, actually. I, I thought it was great. I was in good company. I was with Hugh Wisencroft and with Leanne Sanderson. Uh, we sat there uh, chomping away on wine gums beforehand. And uh, the night just got better. I mean, obviously, there was a brilliant VAR intervention just at the right time when you needed it, just to spice things up. Uh, the VAR... Um, in fact, do you know what it was quite interesting last night? The VAR on the team sheet was the wrong VAR. Luckily, um, because my friends at television were working there, I got information uh, that the VAR was not Michael Salisbury. It was indeed Craig Pawson. And uh, Natalie Asthma was the assistant VAR. And Michael Salisbury was the support VAR. Last night, they decided to trial a system where they would have three VARs, basically, keeping an eye on uh, all the instances, just to make sure they got it 100% right. So what a roaring success that was. That worked brilliantly well, didn't it? I mean, seriously, we're going to mock it. I think, obviously, Roy Hodgson in his interview to you after the game was quite entertaining on a couple of the decisions. But it's actually not funny, is it, when you've got three senior Premier League referees who are between them 
decide that's a red card. I think that's a really worrying trend and shows where we're at at this moment in time. Yeah, I, I, I think the problem here is is that I was going through the laws of the game last night, and you know, as fun as fun things to do go, that isn't one of them. Uh, but the, the serious foul play law talks about endangering the safety of an opponent, and I can only believe that that is what they thought that they were they were ruling on. I mean, it's a straight leg and the studs are up, but the contact is so minimal, really, and it's it's not significant enough to cause a massive problem. And he's not going in with any malice. He's trying to win the ball. You know, okay, so he's gone. I think it's just very, very harsh. I think it's a really harsh decision. And it's unfair on Everton because Everton were the better team in the game. Really, they created more of the chances. Both of them were so bad in front of goal that they should both be chapped out of the FA Cup rather than allowed to, to play a replay. But that's a different a different debate. Uh, also, Roy Hodgson was great on the on the then penalty when he said, yeah, to be honest with you, then my player gave away a penalty and the VAR didn't even get involved in that. So I thought that was a bit strange. <laughs> and obviously, Sean Dyche was uh, rambunctious and he's, he goes, am I going mad? He actually left the interview, walked out, came back into the tunnel and went, am I going mad? Is it me? Am I going mad? Is the fans going as mad as I am? This is just crazy, isn't it? I just thought I was losing my mind. I went, no, no, everyone's saying the same thing. And he went, Good, good, good. Because I just, I just, I was just going, going mad, and then walked off. It was quite an entertaining moment. Do, do you know what, Sam? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Howard Webb fan. I am, but I think he needs to take responsibility for this. To, the, to try and sum it up, I just think the VAR people are looking for the worst case scenario. They're looking at that foot in the air, and all oh, foot in the air means to high and dangerous, endangering an opponent when actually the tackle wasn't. And you know, and when you go to the VAR screen. The first thing they see is the pause of the worst possible incident. Not oh, a second before, not a second after. I just think the mentality of the VAR needs to turn it around and understand the game more. And that comes from Harrod Webb. Also, by the way, Chris Kavanagh was standing quite close to it, saw it, and said, play on. It, it, was it that horrendous a challenge, that horrendous an error by Chris? Are we saying that Chris Kavanagh missed that so completely that he had to be taken to the monitor? And the other thing is, is when Chris Kavanagh's looking at the monitor, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Chris, show some cojones, mate. Tell them to yeah. bugger off. Just say, no, I'm not getting involved in this. That's the key. And we need to see more of that. A referee showing courage in, the, in their convictions. He got the on-field decision right and he should have turned around to the plethora of VAR officials and said, you know what? I'm sticking with my on-field decision. That isn't a red card. Actually, he should have said, you're having a laugh even bringing me over to the screen. <laughs> there's, all, there's the dynamic, though, of... Am I going to be on my own in what is supposedly a team game within their sort of refereeing VAR? Am I going to go against what three other people now have said? And I just think they have to. It's as simple as that. He feels it. He was there. He was close to it. They need to have the cojones to turn around and say, now, do you know what, guys, you're all teammates. We're all trying to do the right thing. But I disagree with you here and not enough haven't. But that's a recruitment issue, right? Because we don't recruit the same people with all the same personalities in order to sort of build a, a football team. We have to have a little sprinkling of, of 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 magic. You have to have someone with a bit of attitude. You have someone who's incredibly resilient, different personalities, different blends make up a team. And the fact is, is that you, sometimes you need a referee who's going to turn around and go, well, Howard Webb would have done. Howard Webb had the personality to turn around and go, no. I'm going to deal with it this way. This is the right way to deal with it. He was very sort of clear in the way and demonstrative and the way he, he would work. Um, I, and it would be interesting to see how he would have refereed with VAR. It would have been good to see. Anyway, that's enough VAR chat, bad VAR chat. Uh, your punishment, um, three VARs, 
uh, for uh, getting involved in that decision last night is to be the VARs and the officials for the replay for that game. <laughs> You've got to sit through it again. Uh, let's get in the weekend um, because the action is starting with a huge derby in the northeast. It's the Weir Tyne derby. Tingling occasion with a fixture that evokes memories. And Paolo Nicanio and his entourage swoop onto David Vaughan, who was turned in an absolute screamer. And Kevin Nolan does the chicken dance and gets a hat trick for Newcastle United. That is the past. This is now. For Bellingham, and he scores. The flag doesn't go up, and Sunderland hit the lead. The story of Sunderland in 2024, can our players mature and, and play more consistently at their best level? Because when they do, I think they're a joy to watch. There's always drama in football, whoever you support. Newcastle are out of Europe, Newcastle 1, AC Milan 2. It is a rivalry that has never lacked for spice or intrigue. And Jack Clark heads the ball into the back of the net. Setting up Longstaff and it's only taken Newcastle four and a half minutes. A brilliant draw, I think it'll be a, a, a great game. This could be the story of the FA Cup third round for this season. It's the weird time, Darby. Don't say it the other way around, because if you do, social media, Sunderland fans are going to go crazy at you, and quite rightly so, because, you know, it's not always the time weird. This is on the weir, so it should be weird time. Uh, it's the first meeting between the two sides uh, since it was the time weird Derby at St James's Park in 2016, which finished in a 1-1 draw. But Sunderland have got a very good recent record, not recent-ish record, in this particular fixture. But that's because Newcastle were terrible uh, during the last period in which they were both in the Premier League. And their form has got a little bit awry. Seven defeats in eight in all competitions out of the Carabao Cup, plummeting down the uh, Premier League and out of the Champions League. How important is this for Eddie Howe, Alex Crook? I think he's massive. And I also think it's probably the fixture that Eddie Howe would like the least at this moment in time, away from home, against your bitter rivals, but against a team playing in a division below, not playing particularly well, not putting up any trees in that division. So if you lose, it's a major upset and your fans are going to be mightily peeved. And then you mentioned Newcastle's record in this fixture, no wins in their last nine. I was with Alan Pardew actually uh, on Thursday filming a transfer uh, show for our YouTube channel. And, and he was talking me through some of his experiences in this fixture and uh, reminded me of when they got beaten at home by Paolo Di Canio Sunderland and he was right under the cosh. And then he got a phone call from the club PR to say, look, one of our supporters has punched a horse. I don't know if you remember that one, but it took Alan Pardew out of the spotlight and put that fan firmly on the back pages. It's a really nasty atmosphere. There have been some issues this week because some numpty at Sunderland decided to decorate a bar at the ground in Newcastle colours. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, an April Fool's joke or what, but that's going to light the blue touch paper. And I think if Eddie Howe loses this game, I think there will be questions from the Saudi Arabian owners about the direction the club are going in. So as I say, it's a nightmare fixture. And then you factor in Eddie Howe's record in the FA Cup. Barely got past the third round at Bournemouth. Even at Newcastle, they've managed to lose at home to Cambridge and to Sheffield Wednesday. I think this has got danger zone written all over it. It has, 
but there should be an apparent golfing class because this is a team that are in the top half of the championship after only being promoted from League One two years ago. There's a lot of young players in that team. They've got a new manager. They've just changed their manager. They've already suffered five home league defeats this season, Sunderland, including a 4-0 humbling by Middlesbrough not so long ago and a 3-0 beating by Coventry in the not-too-distant pass. Really and truly, if he decides to play his first team, which surely he's going to do, Scott, they should have enough here, shouldn't they, Newcastle? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you, Sam. I mean, yes, they, they should because of, you know, not that long ago. And when the, the draw was made, you know, they were still a, I think they were still a Champions League team um, side. Um, and Sunderland was struggling and obviously the manager had gone. Now, Michael Beale, to be fair to him, is two wins out of three or two wins and a draw. So they've picked up. Newcastle have got nine players, or the last game they had, nine players out. So what is his best team? He's I think just it's got 10 almost... now. I think Callum Wilson's out as well now. Well, there you go. So, you know, what is his best team? His best team probably isn't Newcastle's best team if everyone was fit. So, and we know that the FA Cup is an absolute leveller. You've just talked about the, you know, uh, the, the history of this fixture and, and how the, the, it creates the passion from not just the Newcastle side, but especially the Sunderland side. I genuinely think this is almost a, a 50-50 game just because of all the things thrown in. And I, I do think, and I understand what Cricky's saying about, look, he might be under pressure, but I still think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think what he I agree, done, by the way. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. And you're, you're just talking from a, you know, a news point of view and, uh, and and what, I don't even think what some of the fans are thinking, but, but, but I think, you know, with the seven defeats in eight, They've got Manchester City and Aston Villa at Villa Park next. And yet this is probably the big one, really, because of what it means to the Newcastle fans up there in the uh, in, in the area. I genuinely think this is a difficult one to call because of all the reasons we've just said. And a Newcastle fit side would beat Sunderland, but you've almost got a full team that's not fit. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree about the Eddie Howe thing because this is a guy... And I, I've done a, a sort of video about this this week, suggesting that, you know, look at where they were when he took over. Look at what's happened this year. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that they were playing in the Champions League and beating PSG and then going to PSG and, and digging in and trying to get, get, get through that group. And almost did, by the way. They were a bad refereeing decision away from qualifying for the knockout stages of the Champions League. And yes, it's had its, it, that has kicked them in the teeth. That has knocked them. Yes, they've had serious injuries. They all put their bodies on the line for that. And there has been injuries that have subsequently become apparent as a result of it. Right. So they've had, there's been fallout to that. They weren't allowed to spend any money in the summer. So they've got a really thin squad. If you now change your manager and change the structure of what you've started to build, it is going to be very difficult for the next person to try and build organically from, from this base. It's just, it's just not... And who's available at this stage of the season? I saw this report yesterday about Michel, the manager of Girona. This guy was backed by the City group when they were second bottom of, of the, the second division in, 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 in Spain two years ago. He's very loyal. He's stayed with them all the way. He's built a team now that are challenging Real Madrid for the title in Spain. Do you really think he's going to walk out now when he's got three months left and he could take Girona into the Champions League and even achieve something impossible, may even win the league. So I, I, I can't see that happening, not at this stage of the season anyway. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get why you would want to make a change now. But football is football. We know it doesn't work like that. We know at one stage someone's got a mate somewhere that they want to get into that position and that's what will happen because that's what always happens. 
Do you know what it is, though, as well? It is the world we live in right now, where it's all about the here and now. It's all about forget what's happened when they were nearly going down and he took over and he saved them first and foremost. And then the next season, getting them in the Champions League. And then, as you say, one decision, poor decision away, because they would have qualified for the Champions League. Of course they would have done, yeah. If it wasn't for that, they wouldn't have had to chase the game in Milan. But it's the world we live in where everyone judges on the here and now. And you've got a lot of media outlets who want to try and create bad news because bad news sells. I just hope that the owners can see exactly the job that he's done in the bigger picture. I think what we should also point out is that there's a bit of a myth when it comes to Newcastle. They've sort of bought success. They've actually spent money wisely and, you know, tried to operate under these strict FFP parameters. And that's causing issues in this transfer window. You look at Calvin Phillips, for example. He wants to go there. I think Eddie Howe would love to sign him. Not sure that's going to happen because Newcastle struggling even to raise the funds for a loan fee. So if you are looking for a new manager, is that new manager really going to get more out of this team without spending significant money? And I did a story on the transfer notebook earlier this week suggesting that maybe Newcastle might have to cash in on one of their crown jewels in the summer, be that Alexander Isak, Bruno Guimaraes or Sven Botman. If you lose one of them, that's going to be a massive problem for whoever's in the dugout. I have to tell you about Sven Botman, by the way. Um, because he is—he's uh, back. He's back. He's playing. He's playing again after an injury. And you might notice that he's—he's he's not up to full speed. I don't know if you saw that Boxing Day. He got outpaced by uh, Chris Wood, um, and uh, they're—you know—he—he's he's slowly but surely getting back to a hundred percent. There's good reason for that because um, earlier in the season he—he he tore his ACL. Yeah, that's right. He tore his ACL, an ACL injury which would probably keep most people out for a year. Well, during that game against Brentford, when he tore his ACL, he played on and then played against Sheffield United. At the end of the Sheffield United game, his knee swelled up massive and they did a a scan on it to reveal massive damage to the knee. (laughs) And he was like, what's happened? You've got an ACL issue. Oh, I've been playing for two games with that. He's got... That was three months ago. He then went on this regime of like getting himself 100% fit, like doing his best to get 100% fit. And he's got back in three months. Now, some players have been out. There's lots of players that have had ACLs recently. And and look, there's different varying degrees to it and whatever. And I'm not saying this was a good ACL. It wasn't. It was apparently still a bad injury. There was a tear in it. He's managed to get himself back playing Premier League football again inside Three and a half months. That is an unbelievable turnaround. And he deserves a lot of credit for doing so. And he scored that brilliant goal on uh, Monday night against Liverpool as well. Um, so look, look, he's a, he is a crown jewel, that's for sure. Whether or not he can play in this game, I think is different. Because I think this is a game where he could be rested because you've got to protect him really because you don't want it to get you don't want it to happen again. Anyway, our Newcastle fans who are going, 6,000 of them, so the noise is going to be amazing in the stadium and I can't wait to get there. I'm going up today actually. Um, they're not allowed to use public transport because of safety issues. Um, it's 10 stops on the metro from Central Station, uh, Newcastle, to go to the stadium. Like, they can't use that. So they've all got to go on buses and stuff. So I don't know whether that's a good thing or, or a bad thing really. Um, but uh, you mentioned that hospitality suite where it's a bar in the away end, wasn't it? Where they sort of, they've got away supporters in and, and Sunderland, for some reason, have decided to try and make them feel at home by putting up Newcastle banners and scarves. It's very weird to think that that would be a good idea. It's caused outrage. They've had to reverse it. They sort of mealy mouth response last night saying, we're sorry, it was an error of judgment. Really? Who would have thought? 
Well, there's a bit more explanation uh, as we record this podcast that they they were worried the Newcastle fans would deface it if it was uh, still decorated in Sunderland colours. So they put up sort of temporary Newcastle uh, paraphernalia. But actually, they just need to close the bar, you know, because the only reason they want to open is to cash in. So they're putting money first. And actually, I think the Sunderland fans are, are right to react. I mean, there have been examples, isn't there, of fans sort of trashing toilets and stuff. Just behave yourselves this weekend. It's it's going to be a brilliant occasion. Cheer on your team, but don't overstep the mark. Let's but all just have the, fun. This is this is the whole idea of football, right? We love these local rivalries. These local rivalries are what sell it. This, this is what buzzes you up. This is what gets you, you know, fired up in, in games. The, the local rivalries are really important. You don't need to take it over the mark. But also, why don't they just paint it all white or put white everywhere and just sort of just 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 blank all, <laughs> all the Sunderland stuff out, whatever needed to be done in order to sort of keep things moving and yet not offend everyone. Very strange decision. Uh, Mick Bill uh, in at Sunderland. What did you make of that appointment, Scott? Because the Sunderland fans, when it first happened, were a bit sort of hmm, cocked the, the old Angelotti eyebrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Roger Moore. Um Look, I, I think he's got a point to prove. I think he's been an excellent coach. I think Stephen Gerrard has been on record by saying how good a coach he is. Um, he, he obviously didn't start well with the first game, but since then it has picked up. I think he's got the gravitas. I think he's got the belief. Um, he's a Bromley boy, isn't he, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, so so local to, to you and me where we, we grew up as well. I think he was at Charlton. He hasn't back text in me back, though, to be honest. Has he not? So, he's he's the, no, he's still not texting me back. So, yeah. I know, I've all that. But look, I, I think he has that belief and the coaching ability to do very well there. We, we know what Sunderland won. I was disappointed to see Tony Mowbray go. I think he's an excellent manager. And I think if Sunderland are to make that next step, then look, people always look at Luton and look what they've done and budget and do this, do that. But, you know, let's be realistic. That was that doesn't happen very often. So disappointed to see Mowbray gone. But I, I think he's he's actually done well after, yeah, that first game, which was disappointing. And I tell you what, if you want to make yourself a hero, why not beat Newcastle in the FA Cup? Yeah. Uh, um, one of the things I was writing down for tomorrow for my intro was uh, it's been eight years and a lot has happened since the last uh, time these two met. The last eight permanent managers of Sunderland never got a crack at this game. And Mick Bills had to wait 19 days. <laughs> it's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Amazing. Right, on to the standout fixture of the third round. The Premier League Giants, Liverpool and Arsenal clash in North London. Is it the standout tie of the round? Because I'm kind of drawn to Sunderland Newcastle. Maybe it's because it's the one that I'm doing. But And I just think that Arsenal and Liverpool both of them will be thinking about other things. And the fact that they're drawing each other means that it's going to be a tough game either way. Do you think there will be many changes in this game, Crook? Well, I think that's a that's the million-dollar question. It, it's difficult to to sort of set this up as the tie of the round or make any strong prediction until we see the lineups. I have a hunch, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, that maybe we might see a stronger Arsenal lineup than Liverpool, just given yeah. the fact they've lost their last two in the Premier League. Obviously, no Mo Salah for Liverpool, so he might want to put some of the other forwards in cold storage for this game and save them for the, the bigger issues ahead. Obviously, they're in a great position to challenge for a Premier League title. And I feel like Mikel Arteta is just going to want to stop the rot slightly. So I would expect a rotation in goal. Probably Aaron Ramsdale comes in. But apart from that, I don't think it will be too dissimilar aside to if this was a Premier League game, whereas I think Liverpool will make changes. Jurgen Klopp has a history of doing that in the FA Cup. And in that case... 
I strongly fancy Arsenal to go through. Yeah, I can see that. And But the only thing I will say is that, that one of the big criticisms that we had, especially on the Sunday session after the Fulham game on Sunday, and you were at that game, was that Mikel Arteta doesn't rotate his team enough, which is a, a bit of an issue. Whereas... Um, Sometimes Jurgen Klopp can just go now. Nah, I'm I'm not worrying about this, and he has done that before in the in the FA Cup. And I, I'm not saying that that is what is going to happen, but they are playing in a semi final on Wednesday night against Fulham. They have just played an intense period in the Premier League where they've got themselves to the top of the table and they've done brilliantly and they were superb against Newcastle. They've got players that have left, and not just Salah, but Endo, who has helped them immeasurably immeasurably defensively who's gone off to the uh, Asia Cup as well so I just wonder whether or not this is going to be one of those years where you see a lot of the kids that get a little bit of an outing here in this game against uh, Arsenal Um, but does it mean that Darwin Nunez um, is going to get a run in the team maybe now that Salah is off he might get an opportunity to play on the wing might move him out to the left move Jota out to the right or Diaz out to the right and maybe that might be that might be helpful for him, President Minto. <laughs> I waited. I wondered how long it would take uh, for this to come out. Look, I, I don't think Salah um, leaving makes a difference in terms of his positions because, he, if anything, he would play on the left rather than the right. It, you know, and and he's missed clearly chances that that he shouldn't be missing. So he is underperforming in that sense. But it's a great opportunity for him and others to step up with Salah being out. You know, fortunately for Liverpool, they're not missing too many league games without him. But I, I, I agree with both of you what you said. First of all, Sam, I think the standout one is Sunderland Newcastle. I think that's the one you know I'm looking forward to the most. I think you know with the Fulham game just on the horizon and you know not far off Wembley and, and winning a major trophy. I think Liverpool will make changes. You know, Dominic Shabozlai came off with a hamstring injury. Um, Endo I think will be a blow because I think he's really come into the team in the last few weeks and shown what he's capable of and of course the one guaranteed player to score goals for Liverpool is not around so I think Jurgen Klopp will make changes Um, I think Mikel Arteta needs to win this game more and for that reason I agree totally agree with with Crookie but it's a great opportunity for for Nunez and others Jota whoever plays in that right wing position to, to step up and show that they can fill in the boots Okay, uh, that is Sunday, 4.30, live on Talk Sport. We've also got that Sunderland-Newcastle game. Two massive matches, uh, two of nine FA Cup ties this weekend on the network. Make sure you download the app. You can flick between the two stations because there's a lot of games on Talk Sport 2, some on Talk Sport. It's just a non-stop thriller minute weekend. Let's cast our eye over the best of the rest of the FA Cup third round. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Let's go to uh, Monday night and uh, 8.15, 8.15. Dean, uh, Wigan against Manchester United. Manchester United have been eliminated in the FA Cup third round only twice since 1984. Um, there's no chance that they're going to get eliminated here, Crook. Is there? Is there? Is there? First of all, can I just raise question marks about that kickoff time? 8.15 on a Monday night. My kids want to stay up and watch that game. That's going to be a bit of a battle with their mum because they've got school the next morning. What's mm. the thinking in an 8.15 kickoff on a Monday night? Hmm. I don't know, but um, it, there's loads of eight fifteen kickoffs. That's just the way it is well, now, isn't it? You know, you know we, there, there, we are going to find out. We are going to find out who wears the trousers. Then aren't we in the crook household? <laughs> Can I just ask oh, a question? That... What time do your kids go to bed? Because I'm going to tell. I'll be honest about my kid. Right, I'm desperate to try and get him in bed by eight thirty most nights. But when I do yeah. put him in bed at that time, he just sits up there chortling away until about ten o'clock. So I'm going to be honest and say it doesn't really make much difference because. In terms of who wears the trousers, usually it's him. <laughs> it's probably a similar scenario here, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, right. so in answer off, to your question, back off. In, in answer to your question, is there a chance United slip up? Of course there is. They've lost 14 out of 28 games. They've not won a single match in convincing fashion yet. So this is, again, a, a massive banana skin. And I think actually if there's one manager who needs a serene route into round four this week. And it's Eric Ten Hag, because obviously Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Sir Dave Brailsford have been at Carrington this week. They've been at Old Trafford as well. And he can come out, Ten Hag, as much as he likes and says we're on the same page, positive conversations. You've got to start winning football matches, mate, because if you don't win any football matches between now and the end of the season, you will get fired. They will go in a different direction. He's got to name a strong team and they've got to convincingly put Wigan away. Wigan struggling at the wrong end of League One. If United don't win by two or three goals, it's another disappointing outcome. Yeah, but they're struggling at the bottom of League One because of an eight-point deduction. And yes, they lost six they're of in their League opening one. Seven, seven games. But they've won six of their last nine home games and kept clean sheets in four of their last five on their own patch. So, so this could be a real test for, for Manchester United, couldn't it, Scott? This is a test psychologically, Sam. You know, there's absolutely no way that United should lose this game. But the way they are psychologically, up against the Wigan side, have got nothing to lose. And you're right, you know, and Crookie's right. They are in League One, but they shouldn't be where they are. They, they've won 10 um, and should be in the top 10, but it's still only the top 10 of League One. You know, if United don't see this off and see this off comfortably... We talked about Eddie Howe and, and we think that whatever happens against Sunderland, he shouldn't be under pressure for his job. Well, Ten Hag should if if they lose to, to Wigan here because 
I don't see them finishing top four. Top five, I still don't see that at the moment, but you never know with injuries coming back. What else is there for them? Mm, that's a good point. What is there else for them? Um, Manchester United's last 10 away games have featured more than three goals and they've scored more than twice in just one of those last 22 domestic road encounters. Um, you mentioned that they haven't beaten anyone convincingly. Well, I'm going to tell you, I was there the night that they did. It was Crystal Palace at home in the League Cup and they absolutely battered them. I'm OK, OK, Crystal Palace weren't interested and they named a B team. But it doesn't matter. There was one game where they did okay this Brilliant. season. So, you know, try and keep the positive vibes, please. Um, and listen, a lot of people will say, well, why Manchester United being picked for TV? Why why are the TV picks all the big clubs? Because well, here's still the, the biggest story in English football. Well, look, it's, it's really simple. I mean, especially for ITV, right? And I'm not coming talking in from an ITV perspective. But ITV, a commercial organisation. The BBC have a, a bit more of a responsibility to give more of an airing to, you know, some of the smaller stories and some of the like, the, the stories that not necessarily would bring in a massive audience, but try, try, try and stretch the audience by telling them a different story. That's their role because they are publicly funded and they've got no commercial people to to to, to answer to. ITV is a business. It needs to bring in an audience. And also, kids, like your kids, like my kids, and there's other people that don't have Sky Sports or TNT and don't have subscriptions to, to major channels, get to watch these big Premier League teams for the first time free of charge, right? So they get to watch them in their entirety. So the reason that the FA Cup is great that it's on terrestrial TV is because these big clubs feature on, on, on free-to-air television live and that draws a big audience because there's a lot of people that don't get to see live football, Premier League football, week in, week out. So it becomes an appointment to watch. So the reason that, 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 that they get chosen is because you've, you've got to spread the love. And the, the FA Cup is, is, yes, about some of the lower league teams. And by the way, I too, I've done, this is my, I think I'm about to go into my sixth or seventh FA Cup game for the season because it starts in November. We've done a lot of lower league clubs we've done first round first round replay second round second round replay so you know there's 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 a lot of coverage the fa cup coverage has been brilliant from both networks there's loads of stuff on the on the bbc iplayer there's loads of stuff on itvx where you can see all of the highlights of the matches as well so it's a it's a, it's a great service i think and long long may it continue here ends the party for this forecast for terrestrial tv <laughs> No, but also the producer Jeremy has put in here, you know, should other games have been chosen ahead of Palace Everton? Obviously, they've got a certain amount of slots they need to fill. Um, you, you look at the other potential games he's put here, Gillingham against Sheffield United. Is that going to bring in a massive audience? Is it much of a shock if Sheffield United, with eyes on survival, were to go out of the FA Cup? AFC Wimbledon against Ipswich. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to make a date in your diary for that one. Eastley of the non-league uh, are still in the competition, but they didn't get a particularly glamorous tie. So, Newport. Yeah, exactly. So that there aren't actually that many good games that you could have picked for television. And as I said already, slots have to be filled. But, but do we love the uh, tradition of the FA Cup or not? Sam, yes. I, I, think you, I think you nailed it with sort of the ITV versus BBC. But I, I'm, I'm with Jez, to be honest with you. And, and look, it's not every game that we should be uh, putting on ter- a terrestrial TV because ITV have uh, is a commercial entity, but I do think there should be a couple of games where you're saying if we really do love the tradition of the FA Cup, why not put these non-league sides? Or I think Gillingham against Sheffield United is a fascinating game to be honest. Did with you me. watch? Did you watch Newport versus Barnet second round replay that I did? I personally didn't. <laughs> no. Um, did you? Did it, uh, Crook? Did you? 
<laughs> was it a Tuesday night? I'd have been playing pool probably. It was a brilliant game, by the way. I love you know. And uh, they, but Barnet went three 0 down in the match to Newport, right? But half time, Barnet non league team, and they fought back and they played unbelievable sort of front foot football to try and get themselves back into it and end up losing, I think, 4-1 in the end. But it was it was a really good competitive game. But the, the point was is, is that it doesn't, it's not, it's not Hollywood. It doesn't attract a massive audience, but it is, we have put it on. We've put that on this this year. So, you know, you had it's to. not like... You had to, it was round two. You can't put a championship... The round two replay was a choice. Yeah. So, so but but it's, there's no choice with the, there's no big boys playing in that one. And here you do have, a, for example, Gillingham against Sheffield United. You know, that, that's a big difference in terms of the tiers. So we either love the tradition of the FA Cup or we just say, do you know what? No one's going to watch it. So let's not be two-faced about it. That's my point. Wigan versus Manchester United. Struggling in League One. Wigan against Perfect. Manchester United. Big Perfect. time. Perfect. Big time. Live on ITV that. Monday night. And also live on Talk Sport uh, on Monday night as well. Uh, so join us for that. Also on Talk Sport this uh, weekend. Spurs against Burnley. Uh, surely a competition that Spurs should be looking to win, Crook. Yeah, you'd like to think if you're a Tottenham fan that Big Ange has learned his lesson from the League Cup when he named a weekend side and they lost on penalties, I think it was, wasn't it, to, to Fulham. This is the only competition, realistically, they're going to win this season. We know how desperate Spurs fans are for trophies. Obviously, his hands are tied a little bit in terms of selection because he's lost Son, he's lost Basuma, he's lost Papsar, who's just signed a new contract to AFCON. I don't think Van der Ven will be fit for this. Madison's still out, Romero's still out. So it's going to be difficult, but I still expect him to name the strongest team that he possibly can. Bearing in mind they won 5-2 at Turf more early in the season, I still think even with those absentees, Spurs should have too much for Burnley. And I think it's an opportunity for those fringe players, the likes of Brian Hill, who actually was a, a rare shining light when he came off the bench at Brighton, and Le Celso, who I've been quite impressed with in his cameos this season, to to prove to Ange Postacoglu they have a future of the football club. So I think this is this is going to be an interesting game, but I think Spurs could be a dark horse to win the FA Cup. Uh, Borough against Villa, similar to Spurs. Should Villa be going for an all-out to win this, Scott Minter? I think it's a difficult one for Villa. I really do. You know, I didn't expect them to be where they are on Crookie's bet. I heard, I listened to the podcast last week with Gibbo um, and, and Crookie, after having that bet, finishing above Newcastle, still not putting Villa as, as fourth. But I think no. they've got a great opportunity. I really, really do. And with them, I still my favourites for the Europa Conference League as well. Again, I hate prioritising and, and saying that this is low, the FA Cup is low, because I love the FA Cup, but third round of the FA Cup is not, you know, the priority for Aston Villa right now. So I think that's another leveller. I think he'll make some changes in that one. Uh, Manchester City against Huddersfield. Um, will we see the return of Kevin De Bruyne in this game? Yeah, I think so. I think Pep Guardiola has been dropping quite strong hints on that one. And uh, it's a cliche, but that's going to be like a new signing, isn't it, for, for Manchester City? They do seem to get lucky with their draws, don't they? Not just in, in the FA Cup, but in the Champions League as well. I mean, it seems like every year they get drawn at home in the third round against a team from a lower division. I'm, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Mm. Yeah, they got Arsenal last year. Um... <laughs> That's not a bitter United fan speaking there, money chance, is it? <laughs> Watford-Chesterfield is Saturday. And Scott, you're at Stamford Bridge as well, aren't you? Um, any any sign of a an upset there? <sighs> Sam, Chelsea winning. No idea. <laughs> Chelsea are as bad as United. Um, and I, those two are such similar at the moment. I've no idea, mate. I mean, look, Preston at home, with all due respect, Ryan Lowe uh, has done a decent job, but 
it's it's a bottom eight budget side of the championship, and and yet the, the fans and the, the hierarchy, I, th- I think, are expecting how they started the season. This should be a comfortable win for Chelsea, but and we've said that a few times before, haven't we? Well, for Chesterfield, it could be an upset, couldn't it, Crook? Very much so. Uh, Chesterfield, seven points clear at the top of the National League. They've already dumped out Portsmouth in an earlier round, so they've got one giant killing under their belt. And this, for me, is a tie that capsulates the magic of the FA Cup because one of my favourite FA Cup seasons was what well, was the year that Scott won it, I think, when Chesterfield got to the semi-final. Sean Dyche was in their team, Kevin Davis banging mm. in the goals, and had we had goal line technology, they may well have made the final. So I think this is brilliant. Watford, underwhelming in the championship so far this season. I think there's every chance this could be an upset. Okay, uh, that's the FA Cup live on TalkSport over the course of the weekend. TalkSport, TalkSport 2 is the place to be for all the FA Cup action. We absolutely love it. We hope that you can uh, join us as well. I'll be at Manchester City on Sunday uh, with Tash Dowie and Jim Proudfoot as uh, we bring you sort of quite a big show between uh, one and four. And then there's the huge game between Liverpool and Arsenal to follow that as well. It's a big, big day Sunday in the FA Cup as well as Saturday when we take you around the grounds on Game Day Live from 2.30 either side of our big commentaries. Uh, Let's uh, have a look at some of the transfer stories that are doing the round because the January transfer window is open. Which means that Mrs Crook gets abandoned for 31 days. Uh, Crook doesn't answer any of his text messages apart from the ones from agents and uh, little snouts that are giving him little bits of information Um, because uh, it's non-stop uh, transfer activity. Um, So uh, let's just do a couple of big ones. Is there anything that we should cover that we haven't listed? So we've got Jaden Santo to talk about, Roberto Firmino, Ramsdale, Phillips and Gallagher to discuss. Anything else that we should be looking at? No, I think they're probably the big ones um, so far. Um, if Borussia Dortmund have their way, then by the time this goes out, Jaden Sancho would have completed his move back to the Bundesliga. But I think they're still haggling over the, the terms and conditions, uh, how much his old club are going to pay in terms of a loan fee. I think what's interesting here is the vibes coming out are that it isn't going to be a deal that includes a buy option at the end of the season. It's a straight six-month loan. If I was Eric Ten Hag, I'd be a little bit worried about that uh, because obviously if Ten Hag is still the manager, then there's no way back for Jaden Sancho unless he apologises, which clearly he isn't going to do. The fact that Sir Jim Ratcliffe, presumably, because he is in situ now and has final say on inco- inco- incomings and outgoings, the fact he's insisting on a straight loan deal, does that suggest they're not convinced with Ten Hag? <laughs> it suggests that if uh, Ten Hag gets fired, he'll be back quicker than a shot. Um, but it also does sort of... The, re- the issue you've got two issues here. You've got the, the Eric Ten Hag fallout with Jaden Sancho issue, which is the the problem that won't go away, and then you've got the fact that Jaden Sancho hasn't played very well, so his value is diminished as a result. If he goes to Dortmund and plays really well, and they want to sign him, they'll get a half decent fee for him that can be negotiated after he's played really well for six months. Similarly, if anybody True. else wants to d- dip in and try and get him then they will do the same. But uh, let me just give you a little bit of realism, and you'll know this because you're involved in it. Nobody else spends money like the Premier League. No one. Absolutely zero. None. Ever. Spanish clubs have got no money. I think the biggest spenders in Spain, apart from Real Madrid this year, were probably um, Mallorca. And, 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 and they've, that, I think that their biggest signing was Sergio Dardar for 10 million quid. 
Right. Apart from that, are the only ones really set? They're not spending money. The net there's net spends that are all sort of in the positives for those clubs in the Liga, for example. Same in Germany. Germany they don't go around spurting twenty million pounds on midfield players. They don't go and spend fifty million pounds on a fullback. It just doesn't happen anywhere else apart from the Premier League. The Premier League play probably ten times more in transfer fees than any other league in the entire world. So the inter Premier League market is still pretty healthy. But if you're trying to sell a player. To any anyone who isn't Real Madrid at this moment in time or PSG, you ain't getting the value that you got when you bought them. Which is why I've always said to you, I think in, in the not too distant future, that the market in the Premier League is going to change as well. The transfer fee situation has got to come down because there is no reason for that. The only small the differences are Kylian Mbappe is going to sign for Real Madrid probably in in July, right? He's, that's a free transfer. PSG to Madrid, it's a free transfer. Only it's not really a free transfer because Madrid have got to pay a £180 million signing on fee, right? In order to get him through the door. He can command that because he's killing Mbappe. He'll make that back in shirt sales, in endorsements, in commercial stuff, all sorts. Right, fine. And it's not even probably a money-making signing. But nowhere else is going to spend £20 million, 30000000 million on Jadon Sancho. It isn't happening. No, I, I, I agree with you, Sam. But as long as the money's coming in to the Premier League, then they can spend the money and even lose it on the other side. And if, for Jaden Sancho, if he does do well for Borussia Dortmund, yeah, absolutely. You know, the figure might not be 50 million. It might have to be a lot less. But Manchester United have to cut their losses. Well, if Eric Ten Hag is to be in charge, he has to cut their losses. He has to get rid of the people now because he, he's probably got six months maximum. If he doesn't do well in these six months, and I know what Cookie's saying, it's absolutely from the club's point of view, let's see how these six months go. And if we, we can want to bring it back because of Ten Hag's gone, so be it. But as long as the money's coming into the Premier League, which it is for the foreseeable future, they still will spend this money. And even if they have losses after that, it's not great business, but there's billions coming in. Yeah, and, and, and maybe there is an exception. And I probably should have mentioned this when I was talking about it. And when I was talking about Joe and Sancho, I meant you're not going to get back the value of what you spent on him. So you're not going to get mm. 70 million, which is what they spent on him. You're going to get, maybe if you're lucky, you might get 20, 30. You're, you're not going to get 50. This is not going to happen. Mm. Um, what I should have mentioned was that Saudi Arabia have spent a lot of money and they could still spend a lot of money, but that's not going to last forever. One of the players that has gone there, Roberto Firmino, has already given up. He wants to come back. Yeah, he does. Um, whether the Saudi Pro League allow him to do so. I think he's open to debate because I'm, I'm being told that optically they don't think it's a great look if one of their big summer signings quits the league after six months. Although, of course, Jota is going to do the same and might well end up reunited with Ange Postacoglu, his former Celtic manager at Spurs. But certainly Bobby Firmino has been offered to more than one Premier League club. I think Sheffield United were quite keen before Paul Heckingbottom sacking. Fulham is the other club that have been mentioned to me. And as well as Raul Jimenez has done, and we've spoken about his renaissance. Uh, we spoke about it on the Sunday session when I was at Craven Cottage last week for the Arsenal game. I think they still lack a focal point and Bobby Firmino would certainly provide that. He's on big wages though in Saudi Arabia. I think that, that's going to be a stumbling block for really? a lot of the Premier that League. That surprises me. <laughs> um, uh, so Raul Jimenez is going to stay at Fulham. He's not going to Birmingham now. Well, maybe Kai Rooney know, <laughs> knows more than I do, but uh, that, that's not one that's been on my radar. Um, Ramsdale? Quick hit. He'll stay. 
Um, okay. Arsenal would be mad to get rid of him in this transfer window because what happens if David Raya picks up an injury? I feel for Aaron. I, I think in, in a European Championship year, he should be number one somewhere. I think his performances over the course of his Arsenal career warrant that number one jersey. It isn't going to happen, but I think he's going to have to suck it up and then take his chances in the summer. Phillips? I think he'll go, but I think this is one that could rumble on. Uh, I mentioned earlier Newcastle's FFP issues or profit and sustainability, I think the official title is now when it comes to the Premier League. Um, They're reluctant to pay the loan fee. Uh, Newcastle want an obligation to buy, to recoup pretty much all of what they spent to sign Phillips from Leeds. I think that's a bit rich for Newcastle at this moment in time. Again, keep an eye on Fulham with him. Paris Saint-Germain have been mentioned. Juventus have ruled themselves out now, I believe, having held initial talks. So, at the moment, he's in a bit of limbo. With Calvin Phillips, Scott, you know, they've bought this player. They've not used him at all, right? Is there a responsibility on their part to facilitate a move rather than block a move? Do you know what, Sam? Obviously, again, we talk about commercial entities and it's all about you know, looking after themselves, and I get it, but City are in such a strong position and Pep is in such a strong position. And from what I hear, Calvin Phillips has been a very good professional. You know, he must be so disappointed at being overlooked countless times. He's not going to be a Manchester City player. He's not going to play. There needs to be 100 injuries for him to play. And I think it would be very unfair for City to ask for a large loan fee. I really do. Sometimes it's about doing the right thing for a good person. And I think that's what they should do here. Okay, uh, thank you very much, uh, Scott. Appreciate that. I do have one more question, but if you tell me that it's going to happen, I will press the uh, eject button. A little bit like, you know, the gold Graham Norton big chair thing, right? Crook, <laughs> Conor Gallagher, is he leaving Chelsea? I don't think he leaves this window. I think he may well leave in the summer. Oh, he just about stayed in the chair. Just about. Stayed in the chair. Uh, Brentford Wolves, FA Cup third round this weekend. Uh, it's TalkSport 2 Friday night. Tottenham Burnley is Friday night as well. That's on TalkSport. Sunderland, Newcastle, Stoke Brighton, uh, Chelsea, Preston, Manchester City, Huddersfield, Arsenal, Liverpool and Wigan, Manchester United. All live on the TalkSport network this weekend. So make sure you download our app. You can flick between the two stations. We'll be back on YouTube on Monday and wherever you get your podcasts uh, to review the FA Cup weekend and look ahead uh, to a massive, massive week in uh, the uh, the Carabao Cup and uh, the Premier League as well. So join us then. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff. Shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods. All at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 